Hi, I'm Arnie Skelton, and each week in this podcast series, I'm going to offer you my top 10 tips on particular topics or themes that might be of interest to you as a teacher or manager or both. Hi, my name is Arnie Skelton, and welcome to this week's top 10 tips. Uh, podcast. And this week I want to share my top 10 tips from the world of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. As some of you may know, I have done a lot of studying of NLP and I'm now a master trainer, which means I can accredit my own uh, training qualifications. So I've spent a lot of time on NLP and working with NLP and I thought I'd just offer 10 top tips. And these are all things that you could do pretty much straight away without having any reference to NLP. They just happen to come out of NLP, but I think they're handy tips for anyone to have at their disposal. So here come my top 10 tips for neuro-linguistic programming. Tip number one, anchors. An anchor is something that an individual either consciously or unconsciously uses to create a particular thought or feeling or sensation or emotion. It's an anchor to a feeling. It's an anchor to a, a response. So, for example, many of us will, if we hear a piece of music, it will recall a particular setting or person or mood. If we see a particular photograph or a video, it will create a particular mood or emotion within us. All of those are anchors. They create a state within us, uh, an emotional state. Now, as I say, some of these can be unconscious. You're not necessarily aware of them and you're not necessarily choosing them. And some of them can be entirely conscious. You know exactly that that piece of music or that location or that smell will set off a particular trigger of of a response. The key point here is that you can actually make use of anchors. Um, Athletes do this, um, gymnasts do this, people who want to be in a particular state, let's say excitement or um, arousal or relaxation, will choose something that they know when they hear it or see it or smell it or taste it, it will produce that particular mood for them. Sorry, will produce that particular mood for them. So, um, an anchor is something that you can either consciously or unconsciously use to generate a particular state. The other thing to say about anchors is that it can obviously be positive or negative. And the key tip here is to use what you can to create feelings and emotions that you want to work for you. So if you're going, for instance, to a, a difficult meeting or a, an interview, uh, use anchors that are going to put you in a good state of mind, that are going to make you feel confident or powerful or positive. So that's the first tip, use anchors. Tip number two is called the double bind. And it's very simple. It's about making sure that you offer somebody choice. But in offering choice, usually A or B, either option works for you. It's just that human beings tend to like choice. It empowers them. It gives them more control. So if you, uh, as a parent, for instance, say, um, do you want to do your homework before tea or after tea? Uh, the, the, the child probably thinks, oh, well, I've got a choice here. You know, I'll, I'll choose it um, after tea. I want my tea now. Now, as a parent, you're happy with either, as long as the homework gets done. So the important thing is to set up a choice, either of which work for the outcome you want. And that's called a double bind. So tip number two, set a double bind so that the other person gets plenty of choice and you still get the preference you want, whichever way or whichever option is chosen. Tip number three, 
It's well-formed outcomes, sometimes known as F sorry WFO, well-formed outcomes. And a well-formed outcome is something that is kind of like SMART, you know, SMART as specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-framed. Well, this is well-formed outcomes, WFO. And the mnemonic that we use for well-formed outcomes is PURE, P-U-R-E. So you want to make sure that your well-formed outcome is PURE, which means that it's positive... It's under your control. It's believable. It, 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 it's compatible with your representational system, which means you can see it, you can sense it, you can hear it, you can feel it. And it is ecologically sound, by which it means it doesn't interfere with any other outcome you want to achieve. So it's compatible with whatever else matters in your life. So just to say those again, pure, positive, under your control, which means owned by you, compatible with the representational system, which means you can sense it, you can feel it, touch it, hear it, and it is ecologically sound. It's compatible with whatever else you want to do. And if you can use those four elements of pure as a checklist, the chances are your well-formed outcome will be the more likely. So that's tip number three, pure well-formed outcomes. Tip number four are two... Um, little words, MON, M-O-N, and MOP, M-O-P. And these are really powerful, I've found. M-O-N stands for Modal Operator of Necessity, and MOP stands for Modal Operator of Possibility. And don't worry about the jargon of Modal Operator. That's just the way in which we think about things. M-O. It's our modus operandi. It's a modal operator. Just think about the other two words, necessity and possibility. And that, the clue to this is in the language. People who op operate under a, a mon, M-O-N, a necessity, use language like I must, I should, I need, I have to. You put yourself under pressure and close down all sorts of options by thinking or f talking in language that makes things necessary. It's a necessity. I must, I must tidy up before my mum comes. I ought to do this. I need to do this. I have to do this. You're putting yourself under an imperative, a command system that gives you no flexibility and no choice. Contrast that with an MOP, MOP, possibility. The language here is, I might do this. I could do this. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. All of those are much more free in their expression. They allow the possibility of variation, of flexibility. So it's, it's often presented as two tables of, of the necessity language on the left, must, and on the possibility language on the right, like to. Now here's the thing about mon and mop. Some people tie themselves down too much with necessity when they would benefit for some freedom. But equally, some people use possibility language when really they could do with being a bit more disciplined. So it's not that mon is wrong or mop is right. It's just what's most appropriate as a way of talking to yourself about what you want to achieve. Sometimes mon is right for that person and that situation, and sometimes mop is right. So that's tip number four. Modal operators of necessity, mon versus modal operators of possibility, which is MOP. Tip number five. Two very short and very common words. But, and. So tip number five is but, and. Very often people will say but 
frequently, almost as a matter of course, almost as a habit. Yes, I like that idea, but... And of course, what but means is no, or I'm, I'm, I'm going away from it. So a but word divides people. I would like to do that, but... The but immediately implies that what follows is more important than what came before it. You know, I like the idea, but it implies a negative, a criticism, a rejection. So a but tends to separate the idea. Here's the idea, I like the idea, but, and here's what's wrong with it. And conjoins. It's a conjoining word, which means it brings things together. I like the idea, and. So be aware of the difference between these two small words. And I like to think it's, it's wherever it's possible. See if you can substitute and for but. I like the idea and. I'd like to come out and. I'd like to have a go at that and. And of course, by putting and onto somebody else's suggestion, it's a recognition and an acknowledgement and even a value of the other person's idea. So people respond more constructively, more empathetically to your use of and than they ever will to your use of but. So, see whatever you can if you can replace but with and. So that's tip number five. Use and instead of but. Tip number six is reframe. Something I use a lot. And reframe simply creates the idea of putting a different picture frame around something so that you get a different perspective. You look at it in a different way. So instead of it being portrait, you make it landscape. Instead of making it large, you make it small and concentrate on the detail within the picture. So a reframe is to look at something afresh, differently or new. So I remember... I think I've probably told this story before about being with my friend who's a joiner, who's also a fish uh, enthusiast and an aquarium builder. He built a fabulous aquarium in his home. I went around to have a look at it. And I was looking at these Amazonian fish and I just said, is it difficult to keep the fish? And he said, no, it's difficult to keep the water. That was a reframe. Just a, a completely fresh perspective on the difficulty of keeping, you know, the environment correct rather than the, the objects within it. And it made me think about how important the environment is in the workplace rather than just the people working in it. So tip number six is use reframe. Tip number seven refers to the rep system or more fully the representational system. It's how we view or sense the word. In fact, it relates to the five senses. How we see things, how we hear things, how we touch and feel things, how we... Um, smell things, olfactory, and how we taste things. So see, hear, touch and feel, um, smell and taste. And in the NLP language, that's known as VACOG, V-A-K-O-G, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. Well, you needn't worry about that. It's your five senses. And the point here is, we aren't all the same in the balance we have amongst those five senses. Some of us are much more visually attentive, uh, primed, cued. Some of us have a very strong auditory sense. We like the sound of things. We like rhythm. We like tempo. We like music, like poetry. Some of us are very kinesthetic. We like the touch and feel of things. We like to be touched or stroked. Uh, olfactory, we, we are, we're cued to, to smell things. We have a high sense of smell and 
taste, things really affect us by how they taste. And it's quite useful to know what what primes you in that particular way to to be triggered into a particular sense or not. But perhaps even more importantly is to be aware of what other people's preferences are in their VACOG blend. Because, for example, if you were wanting to get me on side or buy into a presentation you were making, you're going to have more success, all other things being equal, if you appeal to my visual sense. So if you draw me a picture, you put a picture on the screen, you can even talk in pictorial language by by painting a picture of words, I'm much more likely to be attentive because I am visually attentive. Somebody who is auditorily cued, if you if you play the music or you use language that has a particular rhythm or cadence, uh, a, a sound to it, some people are really um, attractive to other people because of the voice they have, the softness of the voice, the, the tone of their voice, and so on. So tip number seven is to be aware of the rep system, the VACOG that each of us has, and be aware that other people will have particular blends which you may want to utilise if you're trying to get them on side or be more comfortable with them. Tip number eight, and I'm simply calling this unconscious power unconscious power. A lot of what we do is unconsciously driven. We have no idea at all that this is something within us that is driving us. We are unconscious in the sense of unaware about that particular driver or belief system or preference. But because we work in that way, for good or for bad, there's nothing we can do about it because we're unconscious of it. It's sometimes called our blind spot. We just have no idea that's happening to us or that it's driving us. One of the really good examples of that is our belief systems. We're not always conscious of our beliefs and how very powerful they are in operating upon our our decisions, our feelings, our thoughts and our actions. The trick here in terms of NLP, the thing I found really useful, is to try and bring as many of my unconsciously driven actions to the surface as I can. Because the only way I can utilise them consciously or control them consciously is if I'm conscious of them. And as a coach, I spend quite a lot of my time helping people to realise that some of their behaviours, some of their actions, some of their thoughts, feelings and emotions are driven by things they're completely unaware of. And as soon as they become aware of them, they have the possibility then to control them. So I think a really crucial part of NLP is this idea of unconscious power, where people are not aware of what it is that makes them who they are and how they think, feel and believe. Tip number nine is a simple word that kind of builds on number eight, which is can't. I hear so many people tell me they can't do things. And so I tell this little story and I say, is there anybody in the room who, who would struggle to pick up a live rat or, or spider or snake? And somebody usually says, yes, I, I'd struggle. I ask them to choose one and whichever it is, snake, let's say a snake. And I say, can you pick up a snake, a live snake? No. If I produced one now, could you pick it up? No. So here, here's, no, I, I'd, I'd be out of the room, I'd run a mile. And then I say, there's something usually that's on their table, like a can of Coke or a drink or a bottle of water. And I say, can you pick that up? 
And they go, yes. And I get them to transfer it from one hand to the other and back again and put it down. I say, so you can pick up a, a can? Yes. Can you pick up a snake? No. By this time, everybody else in the room understands what I'm getting at. But the person themselves takes a little while. And eventually, they come to the conclusion that, yes, they have the motor skills, the mechanical skills, to pick up and put down a can, a bottle, or a snake. But they still say, I can't do it. And I'll say, you're not using the word can't correctly. Yes, you can. What really is the problem? And they say, well, I just don't want to. And so many people use the word can or can't when really they mean will or won't. So please work hard to recognise that can is a technical motor skill, whereas can't is an attitude, a state of mind, a motivation. And so I always say, don't confuse skill power, I can or can't do it, with willpower, I just don't want to. And I then finished the story by saying, if there was only you and the snake and the nearest and dearest person in your life in one room, no furniture, nothing else, and the nearest and dearest was asleep or unconscious in the room and there was a snake about to wrap itself round that person's neck, possibly throttle it, and there's only you in the room with nothing else, would you try and remove the snake? And they say, usually, of course. Of course I would. And that's because they know they can. It's just that there's a higher value driver motivator, like caring for their loved one, that will override the value of not holding a snake. So really, we're all about values and beliefs and drivers, rather than just simply saying, I can't do that. Sometimes people say to me at the end of one of my programs, I'd love to do what you do, Arnie. And I say, well, let's have a chat about it. They say, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't run my own business. And I just look at them and I say, well, you're right, and walk away. And they come chasing after me and they'll say, well, that wasn't very kind of you. That wasn't nice. I didn't expect you to tell me I can't. And I say immediately, I didn't tell you you can't. I would never say that. You've told yourself you can't. And if you think you can't and believe you can't, why would you ever try to do something about it? So tip number nine is beware the demon word can't. And then finally, tip number ten, perhaps for me one of the most powerful things I've learned from Uh, NLP, is the difference between experience and meaning. Everything that happens to us in our life is an experience, and that can't be changed. That's a fact. That's what's happened. But as soon as something happens, at any time throughout our life, we automatically give a meaning to it. My primary tutor, Richard Bandler, comes up with a great phrase, which is man, generic man, is a meaning-making machine. We can't not give meaning to events, situations, experiences. The thing is, that meaning that we give to that event is a choice. It's an impression. It's a perspective. Two people facing an identical experience may give different meanings, entirely different meanings, to that experience. The trouble is, once you have given a meaning to an experience, it becomes solidified as part of that experience. So whereas the experience is a truth, a fact, and uh, a meaning is simply an opinion, because you have given the meaning immediately to that experience, you think the meaning you've given is a fact as well. So the two, experience and meaning, collide into one. So you have a life lived of experience and meaning. Experience and meaning, as if they're both truths. 
whereas it is very powerful for some people to recognise that the meaning they once give to, gave to an, expen, uh, an event, uh, an experience, that they have lived all their lives to no great positive effect, as soon as they look again at that experience and reframe it from a different perspective, their world can change because they give a different meaning to that same experience. So, very powerful for me. Tip number 10, separate experience and meaning and know that experience cannot be changed, whereas the meaning you give to it can. So those are my top 10 tips. Let me just run through them quickly once again. Tip number one, use anchors positively. Tip number two, offer a double bind. That's a win-win. They get choice. You get to want what they choose either way. Tip number three, go for well-formed outcomes that are pure. Tip number four, separate mon from mop. Both can be useful in the appropriate circumstance. Tip number five, wherever you can, see if you can re replace but with and. Tip number six, reframe. Look at things from a different perspective. Tip number seven, be aware of your representational system, your five senses, and recognize that different people have different blends that you may want to utilize and take advantage of in order to build greater rapport. Tip number eight, be aware of how much unconscious power there is in your system and work to bring some of your unconscious, particularly unhelpful unconscious, to the surface so you can take some kind of ownership over it. Tip number nine is beware the demon word can't, especially if you mean won't. And tip number ten, separate experience from the meaning you give to it. So that's it. That's my top ten tips drawn from NLP for this week. I hope you found them useful. And please bear in mind that there's a load of other podcasts and other useful L&D type information on my new website, which is www.effectiveconnect.co.uk. Uh, so please uh, look it up, uh, click onto it, and you'll see lots of goodies there that you might find interesting. Anyway, thanks for listening, and bye for now. Hi. If you find these podcasts uh, interesting and useful, you can also find them on my website, which is www.effectiveconnect, all one word, .co.uk. So www.effectiveconnect.co.uk. And as well as these podcasts, you'll also find a lot of other useful learning and development material. So couldn't recommend it more. Go and have a look. See if there's anything there you'd like. www.effectiveconnect.co.uk. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You will still get the podcast for free, but you will also get an alert to let you know when the next podcast is available. And please recommend the podcast to anyone else you think might like it and benefit from it. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and any other comment, because they'll help promote the podcast series on the relevant platform. So, bye for now.